Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is, uh, we're going to, we'll call it episode 53. This is going to be a Thanksgiving short. Um, Yeah, we're really literally going to keep it quite short here. First off, I want to wish you all a happy holiday, whether or not you celebrate Thanksgiving or whatnot. I just want to tell everybody that this is going to be a four-day weekend for me, and so I won't even be in my normal studio that I'm in on Friday. And so, therefore, I will be out and about, and what you're hearing now has been recorded 14 years ago. Welcome to to Creative Writing. Where it might get a little weird, but it's always motorcycle-related. Your host. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. And isn't that funny how people say not to be an asshole, but then they go on to be an asshole? Oh, baby. I don't know, did it wheelie? I can't tell if he's just revving the motor and being a jerkwad. My skin met the asphalt. But these new new ways kit my... All right, a couple of blurbs. Whatever the two is cooking. <laughs> the guests. The first bike I ever bought was originally hanging from the rafters in his garage. It's a cafe racer with alloy makes, racing tank, and clip-ons, and all that jazz. And the thing's beautiful. I just love the way the Norton sounds. The Soma actually was purchased by uh, the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum. Right. So that's where she lives now. Oh, man, bro. I was doing 200 miles an hour, and my fingers are coming off the grips. This is in and out of traffic. Um, I got to wheelie through an intersection on that. <laughs> Rad. Yeah, it was a little unexpected, but I got some applause from the homeless guy at the bus de- bus bench. That was pretty fun. I think my dad first gave me my first motorcycle, which was a Peewee 80, when I was four years old. And the first thing I did was loop it in the bushes, showing mum how cool it was. Um, but I learned the lesson that if you're going to take something like that off-road and really abuse the hell out of it, it, it doesn't... It's not really roadworthy after that. All season, my bike's been having a problem hopping off the starting line. Like the back end of the bike will hop real bad and I'll let off the gas and get back in it. And I would go to Jesse's and hang out upstairs in the old building at West Coast Choppers. And he let me sit there and just watch him. Yep, yep. that's That's creative creative riding. riding. Sit Sit back back and enjoy enjoy the ride. ride. And uh, let's not forget our latest edition. (laughs) Um... I'm totally lost in that question, but, uh, but yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, you better edit, edit a lot of this out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a fun, fun interview last week. So on this week's show, I'm just going to go rolling right through one take show. There'll probably be some outtakes, but you'll see how how all this works. But anyway, yeah, happy holidays, and uh, I hope you've got something great planned. Um, I've got some really cool stuff planned for after Thanksgiving. And what did I do this week? Little ride report. Ooh, it rained here on Sunday. Uh, Saturday, I forget what the heck I was doing, but I was doing something. Something important with the family. And then uh, Sunday came around and I took my kids to the park and I thought, I'm going to go for a ride this afternoon. And 
lo and behold, it started raining on me at the park, and it didn't let up. It rained from, like, I don't know, I think it started exactly at noon uh, on Sunday, which is kind of a weird time for a storm to start exactly on the hour. Makes me think they seeded clouds or had, you know, some human input to that. But anyway, yeah, so... uh, Akasha rain for about I don't know 20 hours here or something like that it was pretty crazy we need it though we need it we've been in a quote drought for like the past like 15 20 years so we really do need every little bit of rain we get so I'm not knocking it I'm just saying it was kind of weird and uh, it happened and now it's gone and so uh, did a little writing uh, yesterday and let me just tell you I'm very glad that I have a motorcycle because coming from Pasadena at the hour that I went, I guess I went to Pasadena on, well, it was in the afternoon, but um, coming back, I guess, was right around the time where everybody's getting off work. And that was troublesome. And people drive like crap around PCC, which is Pasadena Community College. You'll see some of the worst driving ever in the world. And... Uh, it's on Colorado Boulevard, which is Old Route 66. So it's pretty cool and it's pretty storied. And downtown, old downtown Pasadena is pretty awesome because a lot of old buildings there, a lot of historic stuff, and the Rose Parade and everything else goes on down there, and the Rose Bowl and all that great stuff. But uh, driving in in rush hour traffic is not no bueno. And so uh, I went down to grab something from. Of course, the center of downtown and um, you ever have this trouble? This is my first time ever having this trouble. I pulled into a parking garage there and I went to press the button, get a little ticket and it wouldn't give me a ticket because I didn't have enough mass over the parking sensor that was registering that there was a car there. And I guess, you know, some garages you pull in and it doesn't you just push a button and it gives you a ticket regardless, right? I'm, I guess a pedestrian could go up and push a hundred times and it would really make them upset when their machine ran out of paper. So maybe they only do it when there's enough weight or I mean enough metal setting off the sensor that, Hey, there's a car here, deliver a, a um, ticket. So I pull up there and I press in the button and there's no ticket coming out and I press it like a hundred times and there's a gate in front of me obviously and those spike strips that says do not back over this because it will cause severe tire damage so what do I do and and the first 90 minutes is free and I know I'm only going to be there for like 20 minutes max so I pull obviously I can fit next to the gate and um, they're made for cars, not bikes. And every place I've gone before, when they when there's a parking attendant there and they see I'm on a motorcycle, they just wave me around the gate. I, I kind of feel like um, park uh, motorcycles... Pause for yawn. <clears throat> yeah, I kind of feel like motorcycles don't take up space. And obviously, uh, you know, what's one one uh, vehicle compared to the hundreds that pack these garages, especially in in downtown Pasadena where all the shopping and all that great stuff happens. So I feel like they just kind of let you in as a courtesy and uh, a common sense, actually. So when I couldn't get a little ticket on this one and it wasn't giving me a ticket, I went around the bar and I went around the spike strips. And luckily, the spike strips are made for a car. So there was enough space in between the curb and the spikes for me to 
squeeze past the gate and in between both those things. And I promptly went and just parked right next to where I came in. Now, the problem is going to be getting out. I don't know where the exit is. I didn't know where the exit was. And I'm sure it was on the other side because the I could see two other gates and they were for cars coming in again. And so... Uh, yeah, there's cars turning in off all these other back streets. And, of course, the the garage was um, based such that it was getting traffic from an alley and traffic from a main street and traffic from another side street. So there's three streets coming in to this thing, and, and I don't see where you go out. You might have had to exit on a higher level and then go down a, a ramp to, like, the back street or something. I have no idea. And um, so, anyway, I just parked right by the gate that I came in not a problem for me as a motorcycle, right? If I could fit in, I could fit out that way, despite the fact that there's arrow coming in and maybe I'd be going head on to a car that was turning in really quickly. But I went on my way. I did my shopping. I get back on my bike and yeah, there's cars coming in. But what there was next to the driveway coming in was a segregated walkway for pedestrians. And of course that thing's big enough for like a wheelchair to go down. So that's exactly how I made my exit was down the pedestrian walkway and it didn't hurt anybody because there was only cars coming in right there. And so just me popping out and going really quickly uh, didn't impede anybody from coming in and I didn't run over any pedestrians and it all worked out. But uh, the other point is that getting home, had I not, you know, I, I rode down there, took a 20 minute trip max to go buy some stuff and come back. And had I not uh, been on my bike, I think I wouldn't have got home around six o'clock PM. Mind you, I left my house at three o'clock to drive down there. <laughs> and I I don't believe I would have been home until three hours later. You know, it's a 20 minute drive, 15 with no traffic. So yeah, it's just really crazy how beneficial it is to be on a motorcycle. And I didn't get on the freeway. I just took, uh, you know, surface streets the whole way, but yeah, just some of the crummiest driving I've ever seen in around the city college first off, cause there's a lot of buses and a lot of students and a lot of pedestrian traffic and a lot of people getting out, uh, you know, I don't know what time classes there. They probably overlap the times they get out and went out. So there's always traffic around there. Plus combined with the traffic on Colorado, which is a main drag. I mean, heck that goes all the way from, um, I don't know, out way East, like maybe even Azusa or something like way East all the way to, uh, San Fernando or something like that road over in, LA, like just North, like Burbank area or something like Colorado is a long ass street and, um, or Boulevard or whatever it is. And so, yeah, so it's a main thoroughfare coupled with the college and all that great stuff. And it was just so crappy. So it didn't get better going any further, uh, East the way I was headed and, uh, people getting off work and it was just so nice to split, I guess is what I'm getting at. I just, I couldn't imagine, you know, I got to ride, the weather was bad, and then the next time I got to ride was like splitting lanes <laughs> the whole way down, down like, you know, 10 miles splitting of splitting lanes or something like that. So I don't know. It's just a really weird experience to 
to have some nice weather and not be going to carve it up. And then now here's the weekend, the holiday weekend, and I'm going to be gone, not on a bike. (laughs) But anyway, I'm going to be having fun with some friends and family. So something I want to talk about that I did uh, this past week was last Friday when our last podcast came out. uh, And if you're paying attention on the Facebook page, I said that I would post the episode up after I got back from IMS Long Beach. And that's what I did last Friday. I went to the International Motorcycle Show, uh, stayed there for roughly, not 12 hours, no, no, no. I stayed there for, you know, way more than eight hours. I think about 10 hours maybe. And uh, no, that's not even right. I'm giving myself way too much credit. I was there for probably eight hours, um, if that. And... Whilst there, I hung out with Chuck from the Wheel Nerds. We actually did end up hooking up, so that was kind of cool. And um, there is a lot of interesting things to talk about come next week. And we'll be reviewing some of the stuff I saw there, some of the trends that I kind of called out in the beginning of the year. And yeah, some really great things happening and running into some of the most wonderful uh industry people that could, uh, you know, you could ever hope to. Um, so yeah, while we were there, uh, I was gobbling lunch, you know, they're, they're nice enough to give you a crappy free lunch. So anyway, I'm stuffing my face. And while I was doing that, I noticed I didn't see Chuck anywhere and I texted him, Chuck, dude, there's free food. Are you just wandering around? You know, I didn't think he'd ever been to Long Beach before. And he says, Oh no, I'm with Eric Buell. And then later he proceeds to show me something. Maybe I shouldn't mention it here because they might mention it on their show. I'm sure he might talk about Eric Buell, but let's just put it this way. Um, Eric Buell was doing stuff for Chuck as if Chuck was Eric Buell's employer. So that was pretty cool. But it was nice to see Buell there. Um, It was nice to see a lot of the stuff that came out. And uh, I ran into Christy Farrell from the Motorific podcast, and that was kind of cool. And, of course, I saw all the superstars that I love and that I used to idolize. And not so much recently. I I, I haven't subscribed to uh, Motorcycle Mags for a couple of years now. But back when I did, and I'd see Brian Catterson there, and I was like, oh, my God. And, and Ari Henning, you know, I saw him there. This time he had busted arm, Jamie Robinson, you know, all these guys that I love, uh, you know, engaging with from a, uh, from a consumer standpoint and I consuming their, their knowledge and their videos and everything that they do. It's kind of cool to meet up there and be able to shake hands with people like that and just, you know, telling you appreciate their work and, and whatnot. And especially I got to shake hands with one of my racing heroes, uh, Brian Smith, we just had a little side conversation and I uh, hope I didn't bug him, but it was, it was nice. I didn't have my camera up, didn't do any selfies. I'm not, I'm not that guy, but you know, I, I think he maybe appreciated that too, that somebody wanted to talk to him and not just get a pick. So I don't know. It was pretty cool though, but I will probably talk about that later because I've been noticing that people are still talking about ICMA and what happened to ICMA and, um, I might have even heard somebody talking about stuff that happened to Intermont. So people are still kind of catching up to what happened a couple weeks ago. So I'm going to wait till after this week to talk about Long Beach, um, what happened there. So that will probably be on our next show, if I can remember it. I mean, God, by 
the end of Thanksgiving weekend, spending time with your family sometimes can erase your brain, sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. I know my significant other, she has, uh, you know, I know you girls, you guys, you guys use your brain like 43,000 times more than dudes do. So I can just imagine that her brain is going to be fried too. And, uh, Sometimes vacations can be more stressful than fun. So we'll see how this one turns out. But at any rate, next week, we'll have a lot to talk about because there was a lot of cool stuff that happened there and a lot of stuff that I'm excited for. Some other stuff that I'm excited for is collaborating with some really great friends of the show and getting uh, gathering up some articles. Uh, if anybody that's hearing this right now if you've read my post about that town, and if you remember the episode before last, um, you know, I was talking about what is that town near you that always has these crazy cars coming out of it or bikes coming out of it, or you'll be driving down the street and you'll have like three nice houses, just like brand new, less than 10 years old. And then you'll have the one old crusty dude that still got like chicken coops in the back, and but he's got like a weird... Uh, like an aerial Adam sitting out in the front yard, just collecting rust. And he actually rides it like once a year or something like that. You know what I mean? Or the dude that's always got, he's got like, you know, weird art in his front yard, like kinetic sculptures and stuff in the backyard. He's got this, I don't know, a waterfall pool that's made of like real volcanic rocks. And then in the garage, he's got some crazy thing that he's hacked together like a, I don't know, uh, a Vespa side hack that has like 21 inch wheels on it though. And he like takes it out to the desert, like just the weird stuff, the weird, like that, oh, that town, like that part of town where maybe people are moving out to now because it's always been cheap. Why has it been cheap? Because people just have these yards that have like, you know, littered with quad, with the remnants of quads and the vestiges of vehicles that used to run and you can go out there and find a, you know, a front end from like a Zephyr and it's like, holy crap. Uh, I haven't seen a pristine front end like this, you know, and you just happen to pull one out from underneath your worm bed or something. I don't know. You get what I'm saying though, that town. I'd like to hear stories about that. And especially with the winter time coming, a lot of people aren't going to be riding. Um, a lot of people are going to be like, reminiscing about stuff or like thinking back. And I'd like to share that sort of stuff. And if you send it to me or submit it to me or, you know, contact the show and maybe we can get together and talk about it, we can share that with other people. And so, yeah, I kind of, I'm getting into, I'm kind of digging that vibe right now. The, a kind of like Americana, the tales of the barn finds, um, you know, now if you listen to the past couple of shows, I've, basically said the days of the the barn finds are over everybody's moving out that's that's why that town interests me so much because i feel like for you know for la now you can't even buy an old crummy 7 cb750 for less than like $1500 it's always like oh needs work doesn't have a title um you know the the all the we i have 15 sets of wheels and they're all bent you know and i have a set of spoked rims for it but you're going to need to machine it um, and it hasn't run in about six years, but it ran when it parked, but it had water in the oil and $8,000. So I feel like as 
this whole metropolitan, greater metropolitan area of LA, we're moving out to these quote that towns because those are the guys that always have this weird, crazy stuff for cheap. And it's because it's kind of like moving to, you know, moving from San Francisco to somewhere in the middle of Oklahoma. And all of a sudden a house on like 10 acres costs you, you know, $80,000. And it's like, what the hell? And so that's these, that towns, everything's cheap. And so having this old hunk of junk and keep replacing it, and it's like really not worth nothing. So you just, you have it because it's something to do. And then someone else comes out and finds it. And it's like, oh my God, barn find of the century. Or like, look what I got my hands on. So I want, I just want to get the, that sort of feedback and those sort of stories from, from you guys. Uh, please do me a favor and send me your that town stories. And uh, also thank you so much to Chris Singsheim. We've been talking about, uh, you know, he's sent me some really great stuff. And after the break, uh, after the, this weekend, we're going to, I'm going to go ahead and publish a lot of it up, but I'd like to start talking to you guys personally about the stuff that you do and, you know, how do you build your bikes? What do you do to your bikes that makes it yours? That's creative. Um, maybe you're, you know, drawing bikes, you know, what do you, what type of bikes do you like to draw? Stuff like that. I really am interested in getting some more of your stories and putting them out there and getting them up. Um, something else that I want to bring back, uh, now that winter's pretty much arrived is the movie reviews. But this time I'm going to do some good movie reviews instead of the bad ones. We all love campy bike exploitation flicks, but we can only watch so many of them before we just don't want to watch movies anymore. At least that's how, what happened to me. My brain started to fry. And so basically uh, I'm going to be getting into some good movies. Uh, and I told you last time on the recommendation of stock is for squares. I almost said stock versus squares again, guys. Uh, on their recommendation, Unchained. And that was a fabulous documentary about FMX and the evolution of the sport and like where it's gone and where it's going. And like I said, the people in it are totally relevant. And so bringing more movies like that. We all know Long Way Down and Long Way Round. I mean, those are almost not even worth mentioning. They're almost as much a part of the motorcycling culture as on any Sunday. And so we're going to start looking out. I mean, you know, what's the three motorcycle movies that people that don't even bike know about? And that's probably them. So we're going to kind of step outside the box and do some more stuff. Now, I've watched a bunch of stuff this week. Hardly any of it was motorcycle related, though. Um, Moto Geo actually had the Freedom Machine movie play afterwards, uh, after the Long Beach show that night. But, you know, I'd been up since the crack of butt dawn. And um, I think I meant to say the butt crack of dawn, but I'm just going to stick with the crack of butt dawn on this one. Um, and, and having gone to that means I w- would have been getting home at the crack of butt night. So I didn't go to that, although I would have loved to. But you can go to movie.motogeo.com and check out little clips and snippets from it. And it looks pretty cool. And it's called The Freedom Machine. It's basically Jamie Robinson doing what Jamie Robinson does for Moto Geo, but he's doing it um, on a on a Ducati Scrambler. And it kind of looks like a Ducati Scrambler that can actually scramble. Um, if you've seen 
Well, I'm sure everybody and their mom's been talking about it. I've been hearing about it at the desert sled. They're kind of making a Ducati Scrambler that can actually scramble and looks more like a Scrambler than the first, quote, Scramblers did. So, uh, or it looks like a more capable Scrambler. And they're calling it a desert sled, and that's rightfully so, because desert sleds were, you know, 500cc or more big-ass bikes, you know, Harleys and old Triumphs and Indians that you would take out to the desert on knobbies. And the the Ducati Scrambler is like a 900, you know. The 62 is a little bit smaller and might lend itself better to a, quote, Scrambler, but it's just the weight is only like, I I don't even think it's 10 pounds different from the 900. I think all they did is just put smaller jugs on it. So, I mean, the weight's still there. So, uh, smaller motor be damned. It's, it's the same, same bike basically. So, um, the desert sled I think is actually a more capable looking kind of vintage looking kind of looks like one of Steve McQueen's old triumphs or something like that. So I think they kind of went, that should have been the first scrambler. So, probably talk more about all that stuff on the next show that's just a little teaser of it and um we'll get into a lot of the cool stuff that came out of ims and a lot of it's probably already been talked about a lot of people probably flipping their wigs over some of the stuff that they think is crappy or shitty or poopy or shitty poopy but there's also a lot of cool stuff that came out of it and a few things that i've been talking about small bikes 80s bikes, yada, yada. You know, we'll get to that. So uh, let me tell you some of the movies that I've been watching recently. Um, Well, tonight I watched a very naughty movie, a very bad movie called Natural Born Pranksters. And I realized after watching part of it, I'd seen some of this, some of these guys stuff on, on YouTube, just like pranker guys, but I guess they just do that stuff. And then somebody wanted to make a movie, uh, similar to jackass and what those guys used to do. Um, like when they were skating or whatever the hell they do and they throw some pranks in and then all of a sudden jackass movies are born. Same sort of thing with these guys, but little crate, like the pranks are crazier. They're not just like action sport pranks. They are naughty, bad, bad pranks. But so I watched that totally unmotorcycle related. Another thing I watched that was totally unmotorcycle related, but was moto related was the Red Bulls getting dirty series. And I think that's pretty new. I think there's only, I think there's only two episodes. Maybe there's three now. I, I didn't recheck again in the past few days, but that's pretty cool because it's people, it's kind of following people that are getting ready for the Baja five, uh, or the Baja 1000. And, it's really cool to kind of go inside these people's uh, lives and see what they do for a living. And I used to have a a good friend whose dad raced trophy trucks and stuff. And I actually used to uh, date someone a long time ago that built Ivan Stewart's trucks and then his son's um, buggies and trucks. Um, And so I know these people do stuff, uh, it, you know, in their private lives, you would never guess that they were racers. And, you know, the McMillan family raced and they are realtors, you know what I mean? So a lot of these people have have to have jobs. A lot of them are contractors. A lot of them are uh, carpenters, electricians, construction workers, uh, or, you know, not workers, but owners of the companies. So they got a lot of money coming in from other stuff. And I think Jason Goldmeyer said it best uh, a few episodes ago, I think about 10 or 12 episodes ago now, when he said the best way to make a a small fortune in racing is to start with a large one. Because they would tell me each race cost them 30,000 bucks. And this was like 15 years ago 
uh, when they used to race Baja. And I don't even think this is like, this is like score races and stuff like that. So this series is really cool. It goes into the racing and I was kind of following it to see if they're going to talk about bikes. Cause they've talked about all different disciplines, uh, as far as four wheels goes from like class 11 buggies to trophy trucks, but they haven't covered bikes yet. So it, and it is Red Bull. I, you know, I know they sponsor bikes, so I, I don't know if they're waiting to, to get into that, like how far they're going to go into this, uh, or not, but regardless it's, it's racing and it's pretty cool and you, you get to see how it works. So just translate that over to bike team. Uh, another thing that I watched or started to watch was the grand tour. Yes. I, everybody who is a, a gearhead, whether or not you work on power boats or, you know, race gigantic, um, diesel trucks like that, 18 wheeler racing series. Um, I think loved top gear and such a rad show. And of course, since the guys quit, I, I, I mentioned a while back who the new lineup was and I don't even remember who I said, cause I was like, I don't even know if it's on still or people watch it. All I know is the old top top gear and the grand tour started, which is basically the three dudes, Clarkson, May, and Hetfield. Um, I, I think I just named off the guys from Metallica, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's Jameson, Clarksfield, and uh, Guinness. I think I just named off some whiskeys now. Jesus. Um, it's Daniels, Bud, and... <laughs> All right, I'm going to quit. But anyway, you know who I'm talking about. Um, so it's the three of them. It's James May, Jeremy Clarkson, and the short guy. And what they're doing is they're doing the Grand Tour and they're touring around the world uh, based out of this tent. And they're so they're mobile. They're they're uh, going doing basically Top Gear, but, you know, on site and it's pretty cool. So they started out here at what looks like El Mirage Dry Lake Bed out here in California. And uh, I'm pretty sure that's where it kicked off. And it was such a rad intro. And yeah, I was really excited that that show's back on. I don't think, I know uh, Jeremy Clarkson and uh, James, uh, Jeremy Clarkson hates bikes, I guess. Uh, But James May and um, Brian Stanislaus, the little, the short guy, they like motorcycles and they actually have motorcycles. Why the, why can't I think of the brown haired dude's name? James May, Jeremy Clarkson, and uh, Ricky Iverson. Dang it. Anyway, it'll come to me. And you're probably screaming at at me right now. And I just can't think of his name. Oh, dude. I'm sorry, Roy Roy Clarkson, that I couldn't think of your name. I'll put it, I'll, I'll edit it in here at the end of the show. But anyway, yeah. So that's some unmotor related movies that I've been watching lately. And, uh, you know, unmotorcycle related movies. Um, another thing I want to talk about after the break as well is I wanted to review some motorcycle video games because there's some that I really like, whether it's on the phone or like on the, I didn't really play any on the computer, but I have played them on like a gaming system. And so I want to talk about those because there's some also new ones coming out. I think Rockstar Games actually is making like a bikers video game probably like Sons of Anarchy Light or like Grand Theft Auto meets Sons of Anarchy. So it's like predominantly on bikes instead of in cars. 
which, you know, is one way to go. The other way to go is Tourist Trophy, which was made by the people that made Gran Turismo. And that game was just so awesome. You know, that was like my favorite game. Gran Turismo, I used to play all the time uh, back when I used to race cars. And it actually kind of made me made my reaction time better it doesn't make you nothing nothing replaces seat time uh on a bike or a car but it does make you you know if you look ahead on the game you start looking ahead in real life and if you react quickly in the game you start to react differently in real life i think it kind of made me um just the visual muscle memory of things passing by really fast kind of slowed stuff down in real life for me so when i went real fast it didn't feel like it, you know, I could, I could gauge stuff better. So I think my reaction times were better, but the one thing that you don't get from simulators is the actual muscle memory of like movement and G forces and all that stuff. So you could never, ever be as good of a a rider or driver as you would be in a video game, just because you might have one stimulus, the visual input that's the same, but everything else, think of that's only one aspect of riding. I mean, there's so much other stuff, you know, the the muscle memory of braking and clutching and throttling at the same you never would get that unless you had like a actual handlebars and a leaning sort of thing, um, like a pneumatic bike that like leaned left and right and all that stuff when you're driving, you know, playing the game. So yeah, there's talk about those, um, and the benefits and just the entertainment value that games bring. So I'm going to be, uh, looking at some of the games that are coming out and all of this is going to come out hopefully right before Christmas. So maybe if you've got someone you needed stuff a stocking for, uh, or if you've got, uh, you know, little wish lists of your own and, or you're wondering like, what can I get for my phone for a few bucks? It's a good racing game or something. You know, we'll, I'll try to cover uh, as many as I can. So we'll probably do that, um, in a few episodes as well. So yeah, I'm pretty excited and looking forward to, uh, coming back from this Thanksgiving break and getting back into business. I got a couple interviews that I've been, uh, keep it in my pocket for a while. I've been wanting to get with these people. And even when, if you live somewhere where there's year round riding, things do tend to slow down around the holidays because you tend to start doing a little bit more stuff, um, with family and friends. So you kind of schedule around that and, uh, a lot of racing series and maybe people are training in the off season and stuff, but, um, I think like Supercross or something like that's the only thing that really goes year round, uh, competing. So, I mean, even, even most racers and stuff slow down around the the holidays. So I might be able to get my claws dug into some people that's been kind of hard to commit to some stuff, uh, over the summer when they're going full bore and ham on racing and ham on riding and all that great stuff. So that'll be coming down the pipes. We'll see about that. And that's, really about it. Uh, this is going to, this really is going to be a short, short show. Uh, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Eat some Turkey gobble till you wobble. Um, thank you for the normal people who touch base, you know, Paul and, and Chris and all those guys that, uh, keep touching base and, and keeping me, keeping me honest, keeping me entertained and, and, uh, all that great stuff. I hope you guys all have great Thanksgivings And uh, if you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, that's okay. Have a good turkey eating day. (laughs) Go shoot a turkey in the butt. Uh, But anyway, 
yeah, that's that's about it. Let's uh, four minutes. Let me fill four minutes here, and um, we'll call it a forty-minute show. So for four minutes, I could probably talk about a DIY tech tip, and I didn't really have have any geared up for this week, but I think I might have had one from experience. I know in the past couple weeks I've said do stuff incrementally. Uh, I might have said make time, which is really important because life, you, you know, I talked about it with my my wife before. We don't have time as parents and as working people and people with engaging hobbies. We don't. You don't really have time. You make time. So make some time for yourself to do your uh, do your skills and whatever you're doing that's creative. Um, I might, you know, of course I said do it incrementally when you can. Um, you know, a little bit will add up over the course of a year. But uh, one thing I learned from this week is that you got to just do it too. I don't think I've said this one before. Just do it. Get out there and do it. Mess up. Make some crappy mistakes. Make a crappy product. Um, get it out of the way. And if you plan it so much that you're ne- you'll never do it, then that's just that's like worse than doing it crummy and doing a real shitty job the first time having never done it so take this podcast for example so i might have touched on that uh, before maybe but i i don't know and that's something that i realized this week just how how quickly with work and everything that time has got away from me and i had a lot of stuff planned and i want you know the end of the year is going to be here before we know it and it's like man i got all this stuff planned i'm when am i going to have a weekend probably not between now and Christmas or now and New Year's rather I'm probably not going to have a weekend um, especially with trying to have a decent show um, you know I'm, just, I'm not going to have to make time and otherwise I won't have made anything and so I, I, a unique opportunity presented itself to me this week and I wasn't able to take advantage of it because of you know just the bikes that I have and the state that they're in. And it's like, man, if I get on it now, uh, don't rush. Cause remember I said that don't, don't rush through something, do it in increments. Don't just think you can pick something up and get it done in a weekend when it's like a three month job. So I'm not doing that, but I'm just saying if I make, keep making time for myself and just do something, even if it is a little crappy and I can refine it throughout and I don't do like the whole step first and ruin it from the get-go where I can't go back and like redo something if I need to, you know, do it in increments, but just do it, you know, otherwise I'm just going to be sitting here with nothing done off my checklist that I want to do for the B1S and, um, nothing to do. I I just won't have got anything done basically is what I'm saying. Cause I never got out and did it. I I either like spent too much time thinking about what I was going to do or like not wanting to make a mistake, but you just got to get out there and do it, do it crappy. And, um, the first time I ever rolled anything on my English wheel, it was terrible. So the next thing I rolled was slightly better. And I went with that on my bike. Now, that's actually the seat pan that I'm running on my bike. It's like only the second thing I ever rolled. And I've made better stuff since then. But I'm just, I'm proud of that just because it wasn't terribly terrible. Like, you know, I actually did kind of a good job in the beginning. The finished product wasn't exactly what I had envisioned because of um, other factors. But at the same time, like, 
it's cool enough that I'll run it. You know, I'm not I'm not looking for some custom show bike with that bike. I just I want something that if I get hit again, <laughs> I'm not gonna lament like losing some crazy custom parts or something. So, but anyway, yeah, just get out there and do it. That's my DIY tech tip. All right, well, I'm going to sign off. It's only 40 minutes, but I think it's 40 minutes that uh, I've been missing talking to you for. And I really hope you do have a good holiday season. And let's share some stories together. And um, like I said, gobble till you wobble, baby. And brap (laughs) till you can't flap. I don't know. All right, bye. This week, Creative Writing and its associates and producers would like to apologize to the following. Chuck Brewer from the Wheel Nerds Podcast. Christy Farrell from Motorific Media. R.A. Henning. Jamie Robinson. The IMS Long Beach Motorcycle Show. And any motorcycle movie. This week is uh, American Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, it's the basically the history of how uh, we got rid Never mind. So yeah, this week. This week's going to be short. And it's a little bit tragic and naughty. I don't know if you know the history of Thanksgiving. It's quite rich and storied. It is the... And uh, sometimes terrible. And I went to school with this girl. And the things that she told me she did with the turkey leg are deplorable and unmentionable on this show. <laughs>